Welcome everyone to Already Cancelled, I am Peter, that is Connor, and we are going to talk about Star Trek The Next Generation Season 4, Episode 12. It's called The Wounded. So full spoilers for the episode, as always. So this episode is kind of kind of our first big episode with the Cardassians, in terms of them being like, a, I mean, they've been mentioned, I'm sure, before. Or at the very least, mm. Tara's mentioned enough to me about future stuff that I've, I know the name so much that I, th- I think they have. It might be that. I don't recall the name, although when I saw the, the main guy, I was like, oh, I've, I know who this is. Like, I couldn't have put a name to it or anything, but I, I recognise him. The actor? Or at least this character. Maybe it's just this, this race. Maybe it's just the race. But I'm assuming this character comes up again. I don't know. Okay. Uh, but here's the, the thing about this episode is that it's... If anything, it's an O'Brien-centric episode. If you had told me last episode that we were going to get more of his marriage to Keiko, I would have told you you're nuts. I was not going to see her again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, pretty surprising. And lo and behold, we have at least two different dinner scenes with them. Uh, and the episode largely focuses on his past with Cardassian as the fact that he fought in the war against them. Uh, it does mention at the start that Picard was also in said war, but uh, obviously O'Brien's experience is more relevant to this episode. Uh, so... That was interesting, just for a start. Uh, the, the gist of this episode is that there's a, a captain, uh, Max uh, Benjamin Maxwell is the name of the captain. Uh, Bob Gutton, the evil warden from Shawshank Redemption, for anyone who's keeping track here. He's basically started to d- do some sketchy things, because a Cardassian ship shows up, and even though they're at peace, fires upon the Enterprise. And when Picard gets the comms up, he's like, hey, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> Enough of this right now. Stop. What the hell are you playing at? Stop this nonsense. The Cardassians like, well, this is retaliation for the Federation, you know, destroying one of our outposts like yesterday. And he's like, what? Um, it basically, it's like, give me an hour, let me, you know, contact High Command. Let's find out what's going on. I, I, I like he, he phrases at the end, and and look, if we really have to fight, you know, it's not looking good for you. So you want to accept this hour? <laughs> yeah, and he does. He goes and finds out, and it turns out, yes, this this Captain Maxwell has destroyed with his ship. Uh, an outpost and it's like okay except the the, the Cardassians like a couple of them onto the ship three of them specifically and they're going to be able to supervise as we track him down and find out what he's doing and stop him because we are at peace and that, that's the thing that the, the Admiral here really emphasizes is that this peace is really important we're not ready for a war you know at all, at all costs make sure this peace is maintained and I thought that this episode kind of then took that that statement, that that clear kind of mission statement of the episode, and really played with it throughout. I, I I liked how it, when it got to the point where there was moments where maybe it could have escalated into conflict in a number of so, some small ways, some bigger ways. I appreciate that it was always Picard's first like, you know, objective was always to try and maintain peace, even if there was something that potentially was fishy or potentially could cause a conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe justifiably in some ways, but. The idea, no, peace is more important, and it's more about other things. Uh, but all, all this comes out of play with this Captain Maxwell, who is essentially gone a bit stir crazy and mad. He he was a big war hero in the war. He had a tragic incident where the Cardassians destroyed a civilian outpost, which happened to have his wife and children on it. So he has a personal attachment to the whole thing, and he and when we eventually meet him, he's actually. He's very clearly spoken, and it's not until he starts going on about what he thinks they're up to that he starts to sound maybe a little bit obsessed and crazy. Like, you know, he's he's ultimately not found a way, as Picard puts it later, to to find something to do in peace. That he's his mind is just gauged for this war, and it's never going to leave it. Yeah. Uh, so, 
But no, so I, I thought all the diplomacy of trying to stop this guy and some of the hard decisions that Picard has to make, which we'll get to as we talk about it, but uh, I happen to really like this episode. I think it's insane that O'Brien now has a better focus episode than some of the main cast do, but uh, what was your feelings? Uh, I think this is one of, if not the best episode this season so far. Uh, I think this is a fantastic episode. Uh, I have very little to fault with it. It does pretty much everything right. Yeah, I would agree it's the best of the season so far. It's funny because I've been enjoying the season and it's had some really solid episodes, but I did kind of feel like, a, oh, this is this feels like a really dependable season, which is still much better than one and two, but it doesn't seem to be peaking as high as three is consistently. At least it, hasn't, it hadn't yet. And then this episode I felt was the first one where I'm like, oh, this felt like it was really hitting some of these notes that I expect this show to hit. Yeah, I was a little bit because I couldn't remember off the top of my head if there was maybe a, a really strong episode earlier on. Uh, I'd have to go and look at the list, but it, this is definitely, you know, up up at the top of the season so far, I think. It deals with a lot of interesting topics. You know, you've got the prejudice against the Cardassians, which even at the start of the episode, Worf is already kind of like, I don't want Cardassians on this ship. I won't trust them. Let me put some guards up around. At least if, I'm, if, I, if I can't escort them everywhere, at least let me put some guards in sensitive areas of the ship. And Picard Picard's agrees like, to well, that. that. seems reasonable. Yeah, he agrees to that, but he's like, no, we're not going to be escorting them everywhere. They're not going to feel like prisoners. The whole point of them being here is that to show that we're open in this investigation, that we want to like, catch this guy as much as they do and stop any further bloodshed. And I thought that, I'd, especially with O'Brien, obviously, it does this neat job of kind of like setting up that he does have this like lasting hatred for them. It feels a little bit one note at first, but then it becomes a bit deeper once he actually talks about his experiences uh, to the Cardassian. It's like sort of the, the engineer Cardassian who wants to kind of like compare like transporter like notes with him, essentially. Uh, yeah. And like, you know, get some upgrades for his tech. And then there's also later when he himself has to be the one to talk down here, because he used to serve with this captain. That's kind of the big detail that we're not mentioned yet, is that he served under this captain who has went uh, by pretty, for like a Pretty closely as so well. He was his tactical officer. So it wasn't yeah. like he was just a nobody on that ship and just, oh, I know him from, you know, he was the ship captain. So by reputation, it was like, no, he was pretty directly with him. Yeah. And he's, and he, you know, he, he built up loyalty towards him. And when, when the subject comes up with Picard, he speaks very highly of him. And he speaks very highly of Picard, too. Because, I mean, I think one of the, the first kiss-ass things that he says is that I've been lucky to serve under the two best captains in all the Federation. Um, <laughs> he would say that, wouldn't he? But I really loved how it, it played with the idea that he's, even once he admitted and agreed... Because when he first finds out what Cardassian has done, he's like... Or not Cardassian, sorry. When, when he finds out what uh, you know Maxwell has done, he's very... Like, well, they must be up to something. He had had a reason. You know, he's very quick to kind of try and like, defend and, him and justify it. And Picard it. takes him at his word, and when he does talk to, to Maxwell, he's like, well, look, you know, what's going on? Have you got any evidence? Is there Was there provocation? You know, he, he's, he's, like, desperate. Like, tell me there's a legitimate reason for this. Yeah, and even if he assumes that he's right, and he, his information sounds sketchy at best, but let's just assume that he's right. It doesn't change the fact that he's not supposed to just go and do it himself without and, informing Starfleet <laughs> as a chair command. And by all accounts, <laughs> he may have been right. Um, he more well, that's the thing. We'll get to the ending when we get there, but it, like it's he, irrelevant. It's irrelevant in the, the the context of what the story is really about. And but having O'Brien be the one to have to argue against his former captain ultimately, because Maxwell ultimately won't listen to anyone. He won't listen to Picard. He agrees, you know, seemingly to be escorted back to Earth or the Starbase. And he then veers off course. He makes a runner for it to go and kill a ship. Because one of my favorite scenes in the episode is halfway through 
before they've caught to him because they're trying to find him they're, they've tracked his ship but they're you know they're going because they're going to work four because one of my favorite moments in this whole episode uh, this whole scene is they're, they're, they're going after him at work four and they've they've realized that he's going towards what seems to be at least what the Cardassian is claiming is a civilian science ship and it's not like a military ship and that he's heading towards it and Picard at first won't give them the exact like you know codes and uh you know location of the ship because they know that because the Cardassians like hey we've got ships near we can intercept they, they, they might be a bit hot-headed and fire yeah. a little bit easily and you know and I actually loved that moment with Picard because it eventually as Picard's like trying to kind of explain his reasoning for like not giving him it eventually the Cardassian says so you're saying you won't give me the exact location and Picard just smiles and says no I won't <laughs> and you know I, I appreciated that moment but here, ultimately, Picard, when he realizes there's another Cardassian ship in danger, he agrees to give the, the, the location over. And we watch kind of on the on the screen, we get the, you know, the, just the sort of the representation on, on the radar, if you will. It's not called a radar, but you know, same, same thing. And we see that the, the, the Starfleet ship is like a very well-equipped military ship. And it wipes out a warship, a Cardassian warship, which is pointed out right after the fact that it had 600 people serving on it. Uh, 600 Cardassians. And again, this was a warship, yes, but arguably so was, you know, uh, Maxwell's ship, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that warship, you know, the Cardassian one, was doing anything wrong. It wasn't, like, you know, doing anything provocative. It was just just there, and it just happened to be a warship. Yeah, well, yeah, for all we know... Well, I, I think it's not even that it just happened to be a warship. I think they intentionally sent the warship, because th- this isn't the ship that... Uh, oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't intentionally the ship, because this is the ship they sent to intercept it before it yes. got to anything else, because it, it never actually gets to the science ship uh, that, that we're right. talking about. And, and if you're going to send something to intercept uh, you yeah. know, a, a Starfleet ship, you will send something with a bit of firepower, right? You know, to, to kind of make your point just in case. But they're all kind of shot when it just wipes out. No, cause, and we, they, they don't know, we don't know, like... The, the way this played out. We, we have no idea if the warship was gearing up to fire first and Maxwell defend himself. It doesn't really matter. But given what he'd all, all just done with the outpost, it's not that far of a stretch to think that he might have just seen the ship and went, okay, fire. <laughs> like, yeah. without any thought process. And what I loved about this moment is, A, the feeling in the room when it happens, it feels quite dire, especially when he mentions there were 600 lives on board. And then Picard just asked Data, like, how long will we reach until we reach the ship? And he's like, uh, at, at, at current warp four, like 16 hours. And he just turns to the ends and says, move to warp nine. And I love that line. That that moment for me kind of sold like, how serious this was. And then later on in the episode, when they do interact with the ship and he's refusing to, you know, Maxwell's refusing to talk back. He beams over first, they have the conversation. But afterwards, when he's fl- fled the, the Enterprise, the Enterprise is in pursuit. He's beaming, you know, making a beeline for this ship, the science ship that he's going to destroy, which he claims has got weapons on board. That it's not a science ship; that it's a military ship, and they're 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 you know they're they're carrying weapons to whatever. And he's not responding to anyone. And Picard's like, "Okay, red alert. We might have to shoot down this ship." And he gets a Brian on the de- you know on the on the bridge. He's like get him up here because you know he he might be able to talk to him he may at least be able to give us some insight and as o'brien himself says look let me be my cross and try and like talk to him let, let me try and deal with this and i think all these moments of diplomatic tension or even just the moment where the the the, the, the third cardassian is caught on one of the computers and it's kind of fishy and Worf carts him into the bridge and 
like both the, the head Cardassian and Picard are kind of pissed about it but it's, it's actually the, the head Cardassian who steps forward and sort of basically chews him for it and then he's like, I'll, I'll punish him for all yeah. this and and you you know in the back of your head you're still going you probably told him to do a little bit of espionage on the sly while you were here I mean, you may have done. I, I don't even necessarily think it matters. I, I, if anything, I might even like it more if this was a genuine, just this one rogue Cardassian was off it's, doing something. Uh, just in, in the same way that, that Maxwell's this rogue Starfleet captain is off doing something. No, I, I get it. And I think it's this scene where they have the conversation about how there are people on both sides who don't want the war to end, but we can't let you know those people dictate that. We, you know, we have to make it you know rise above any one person. Yeah. Um, and that, that's kind of the, the thing at the end with after they've resolved the situation is Picard has this final scene with the Cardassian and he makes you know it feels very amicable because everything's like went well you know all in the fact that they you know lost that ship previously but they've, they've, they've solved the problem they've got the guy but Picard says but he actually is probably right because I didn't because one of the things that was happening of course is that Maxwell says look Picard beam aboard that ship Beam aboard that ship or I'll destroy it. Just so you can see for yourself what's on it. To go go beam yourself. And Picard refuses. He says, no, I'm never going to do it. I'm not going to beam aboard that ship. And in the final scene, he says to him that, says to the Cardassian, that Maxwell's probably right. Where this ship was going and the fact that it had like, you know, uh, you know, not cloaking, but it had like, you know. It's a particular shield. Yeah. And, and, just... and the fact that the, the outpost, the quote unquote science outpost is positioned in, Nice, easy tactical range. To uh, that, yeah, there's very, all these things adding up. Very strategic location. There was, there was enough there to suggest that maybe he's onto something, even if he was a bit acting crazy about it. And the Cardassians like about to deny it, and Picard just sort of cuts him off, says, "It doesn't matter. Like my my mission here was to keep the peace, but we are going to be watching." And it's it's this kind of idea where they kind of have a right to arm up if they want. Like if they want to have a big military, that's on them to do that. But it's this idea that, look, my mission here was to keep the peace. And if you likewise want to keep peace and not escalate anything, then, you know, that's why I chose not. Because if I went onto that ship and I saw these weapons... He'd have to report it. Yes, and it would have to lead to some sort of escalation. So uh, just the fact that you have weapons isn't necessarily a bad thing. Starfleet has weapons. Uh, you know, they, like, they both have weapons. They're the militaries, essentially. But it's just, I don't know. I really like the, the nuance to this. Where... I did too. And I think it is, you, you kind of know in the in the scene where, where it's all, you know, the standoff's happening, you know that this, you know, Maxwell probably is right because um, the main Cardassian Gull, I want to say his name was, hmm. um, at no point does he go, go ahead, beam over, you know, see for yourself that everything's fine because it's probably not. And he knows that. Uh, and you know it's it's he's he's very lucky that, that Picard had a very level head. <laughs> I even kind of like the idea that maybe even the the Cardassian Gull didn't even know for sure. Like it's not a thing where it's not like it's his like job to know exactly what every ship is. It's just and he's he's like that could be something they they, no, they shouldn't see. But he doesn't I, know I, for sure. <laughs> I like it both. I like the idea that m- maybe I you know, I think he's an interesting complex character already. That maybe. Maybe they are arming up for war, or not for war necessarily, but just in case, in in the same way that many mm. nations across the history of the world have done, right? Um, maybe they are. Uh, and But I also believe, you know, that, that scene where he says, you know, he, he says to Picard, I believe you want peace, and so do I. I believe him there as well. 
uh, I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. I think it's po very possible he can think we should be ready just in case and also want the peace and, and you know, be very grateful that Picard is, is a, is a level-headed man here and, and doesn't just beam over and escalate things. Yeah, I think part of this is to kind of give the Cardassians some layers as well, because the third Cardassian, the engineer Cardassian, who tries to make small talk with O'Brien, O'Brien kind of, not yells at him, but blows up at him in the lift a little bit, in the turbo lift, where he says, look, if I'm asked to give you information for my superior officers, I'll do so, 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 and, but who I spend my free time with is my choice. And it's actually later after he's had, because there's, there's a moment where the Cardassians first beam across, where Troy kind of turns and looks at O'Brien because she can clearly sense that how, like, what he's feeling. <laughs> it just does this little, like, dun-dun-dun moment <laughs> when they exchange yeah. a look. <laughs> but, you know, he goes to the uh, 10 forward and apologizes to this particular Cardassian. And it's, it tells the story of this outpost where he, he arrived at this place where Maxwell's family were, were killed. It was a sneak attack by the Cardassians. And the Cardassian who's there says it was a mistake. Like, you know, we had information that that, that, that place was, a, you know, a military operation or something. No, not, not too dissimilar to what Maxwell's claiming. Yeah, kind of, actually, yeah. Um, but it wasn't. And, but O'Brien tells a story about how, you know, he, he was there, not obviously when everything started happening because he'd be dead too, but he came in after fact in the aftermath and tried to, like, save people. There were still Cardassians there. And he tells a story of, like, fighting a Cardassian and this woman thrown him a phaser, which was set to maximum, and the the Cardassian just evaporated. And because up until this point in the episode, it was like, okay. Here's the Cardassians, and I can tell that we're maybe going to get either some sort of mutual respect by the end. I kind of appreciate though that it wasn't as neat as a bow as I thought it might be. Because Star Trek's definitely done stories in the past, and they're very valid to do, where you'll have two opposing sides that by the end of the episode will see each other's point of view and come to some kind of mutual understanding or agreement and grow as people. I kind of appreciate that this gave us some of those elements in terms of the layers of that both sides have sympathy and empathy, but it didn't neatly all kind of like resolve it by the end. There's still tension, there's still possibility of more conflict down the line, which I think is important because I happen to know that Cardassians are a big, big deal in Deep Space Nine. So Sure. Um, and I, I do think this scene is actually really important for for O'Brien here, you know, to, to, for what happens at the end when he goes across to talk to Maxwell. And, mm. you know, Maxwell's like, you know, they're, they're bloodthirsty, they just want to kill us all. And he's like, they're the enemy, you know, they probably think that about us. And and I don't think he would have had that response if he hadn't sat down and, you know, had this drink. Yeah, we should admit, the, the, I think the most important part of that drink as well is when he talks about how he doesn't hate the Cardassians directly, he hates them for what he had to become in that war. Yes, because he'd never killed anyone before yeah. that. Uh, and that was a big deal. And it, it instantly makes you, because like, I think, even though they're in a war, and naturally two, two opposing sides who are in a war might feel sketchy about each other for a long time, especially if you were actually actively fighting in that war. He does come across, I don't want to say racist, but there is kind of like a sort of one-note bigotism to it. Uh, At first, yeah. yeah. I get where you're coming from. But when he gets to that scene and he talks about why he feels the way he does, that, no, I had to become a murderer because of the fight that you put me in. Yeah. It became a lot more sympathetic where I'm like, okay, you know what? I understand why he feels this way. Yeah, same. And I really appreciate that the, the other Cardassian doesn't like hate him because he killed, you know, one of his side it's like he he understands no you know the situation there it, it was a war people on both sides were being killed you know he he would have killed someone from the federation if in in you know the other scenario so it, it's not like he's holding that against him either uh which i think is really interesting to see i think my worry maybe 
when I realized that we're setting up sort of like an ongoing tension with the Cardassians in this episode is or at least I say worry. It's not like I had time to really worry about it, but I guess in sort of a hindsight, what a worry could have been is that oh, we're doing another alien race where there's like possible wars in the future. And you know, we kind of did that with uh, the Klingons in the original series to some extent. Obviously, that's long long done because we've got the Worf on the ship and mm. we're doing different things with them. But you know, the Romulans are kind of in that territory, and yeah. there was maybe a concern p- perhaps that it could feel a bit similar. This episode made me feel very confident about the Cardassians, though, because it feels a lot more nuanced, I think, than even the Romulans I, do. I think it helps that they have... A, we don't know too much about their culture, really. We know little bits, but there's these handful of characters were quite complex and well-formed that it gives you some depth immediately. You, I mean, you project onwards. Because I think, you know, on the premise, it's clear they, they definitely wanted a... A Klingon stand-in, right? Yeah, you know, the war finished not long before the show started, and mm. tensions are still high. I think I think they're closer to Klingons in that sense than Romulans. Um, That's fair, but I I do think that you know just within this one episode it differentiated at least if not the the war itself it differentiated the approach that we're going to take going forward with it. For lack of a better term, it, these Cardassians, two out of the three. Which is impressive, given that you had three of them, and two of them ended up being quite well formed by the end of the episode. Is that, for lack of a better word, they felt very human. Like I, I you know, I saw things, I saw qualities in them that were actually admirable, and I understood I th- where they were coming from. Yeah, I think you're inherently on the Federation side, so to speak, and you know, skeptical of them at first because uh, you know that's kind of what we're trained to do in these stories. That's the expectation. I think the moment where uh, the you know the, the leaders like you know six hundred people just died and he looks devastated. Mm. Uh, and and it does you know the show does treat with the appropriate you know gravitas that that should. And I, I think and that's, on the, that that's point, the moment it humanizes them. On that point, I I think we should probably commend the performance of the actor there, especially since he's doing that through a lot of makeup. I feel like yeah, his reaction to that moment sells a, sells sells these characters so quickly in one episode where I'm already at the point with the Cardassians where I've got kind of that feeling. Uh, and I hate to use this because it's comparing it to something that's like a 10 out of 10, but it, it's, it's almost that science fiction feeling that I get from Dawn of the Planet of the Apes where there's two sides that I now want to find peace. I don't want them to go to war. I want them to actually come to some sort of like peaceful outcome. And I'm sure, and what I imagine a lot of Deep Space Nine is probably going to be now is <laughs> like the tension Teetering of that. this line. Yeah. Uh, if not, uh, just uh, having the war, which it may because ha- it's a whole show, so it may, it may happen. <laughs> it, it may break into war. At point. Yeah. I, I assume at least at first it'll be yeah. kind of this. Like, it's a uh, it's Deep Space Nine that uh, O'Brien goes to, right? It does. Yeah, he's like a, he's one of the regular cast. In Deep I thought Space so. Nine. That'll be fascinating to to kind of bring this baggage along with it. Yeah, that, that's actually I think is what really interesting. I don't know if they were even remotely planning for Deep Space Nine yet. I know Deep Space Nine starts the same season that season six of next gen's on so i don't know if season four they were already starting to think about it and maybe it's it's possible or if this was just something that they kind of like how like ratha Khan. it's not like they planned that movie when they wrote that episode space seed it was just years later they went hey we can make something out of that so i wonder if this is the same thing where they looked at this episode and went hey we can expand o'brien and we can use it's, that history it's, it's close enough time-wise that it, it could, could be either it, yeah it really could be because I think it's smart, because especially, I mean, it could have been a case of where they said, we're going to do a lot more with the Cardassians in Deep Space Nine. Oh, why don't we bring O'Brien? Because O'Brien has a personal Yeah, I, I wonder if, like, this was almost a backdoor pilot, in, in the sense of, not even in an, any official capacity, but almost 
this is what we're going to use as our pitch, you know, as part of our pitch meeting. We're going to we're going to mm. write this into the season. No one will even question it, but we're going to use this as part of our pitch for when we're pitching Deep Space Nine in six months' time or whatever. Yeah, and for the record, I I don't mean to imply that the Cardassians are the sole main plot of Deep Space Nine. There's I, I believe there's a lot more as well, but I just I've heard them mentioned enough in relation to Deep Space Nine that I know they're a relatively recurring big. thing, which yeah. is fine. Yeah, uh, and for the I was curious. Keiko is not only back for at least another six episodes of Next Gen, she's in 19 episodes of Deep Space Nine, so... Okay. Oh, she'll pop up here or there. Yeah, O'Brien's wife is here to stay, ladies and gentlemen. I am very surprised. Uh, did you enjoy the two... I mean, obviously, they were there to talk about differences in cultures. It was very, almost a little bit too on the nose how thematic this was to the him coming eye to eye with the Cardassians in the sense that he's coming eye to eye to his wife who's from a different culture about food. <laughs> like, it was almost a little too on the yeah, nose. Yeah, I think my, my biggest problem is the, these two have obviously known each other for a while at this point. Yeah, uh, actually, there was a line in particular in the uh, the first scene with them where he's got this, you know, she's given him this fancy vegetarian dish or whatever it is. And he complains that he's not a fish and blah, blah. But then he eventually says, you know, I've been thinking, since you've been introducing me to all this uh, great food from your culture, uh, how about I do the same? I mean, isn't that what marriage is all about? And I thought to myself, no, it's not. <laughs> like, so if anything, the sharing of like simple things like what you eat is more of a early dating yeah, part of yeah, the, I, the relationship. No, and, and that's kind of what I was getting at here. Like this, this whole idea of, oh, you don't know what food I like feels weirdly late i mean it's it's i kind of want to let them off the hook because we've only met her for like one episode before this so it feels relatively new to us as a relationship but if they want us to believe this is a relationship that has been going on for a year two years whatever and we're at the point well, of recently married make it believable make me think that they've had these conversations before that they know what food each other likes i do you know what i'll, I'll give them a bit of a pass here because as is pointed out in the scene we're in a different era where either of them We'll just go to a replicator and get whatever they want, right? So they'll both just sit down. She'll get what she wants. He'll get what he wants. And it's because he even mentions it. She makes a big deal about how the fact that his mother would make actual meals. Like, no, oh, no. No, I get that. Um, but more just, okay, sure. You know, they, they've always just ordered their own food and just eaten their own food. You're telling me that the, the, the couple have never gone, oh, I'll pinch a bit of that. I'll try some of that from, from the opposite plate. <laughs> if you were O'Brien and you looked across and saw that and her plate, would you be <laughs> wanting to pinch a bit of it? Well, maybe not. And she's equally a bit, you know, perturbed at the uh, the, the the potato casserole that he whips out later. Looks good. Uh, I've never had potato casserole. This is an Irish oh. thing, clearly. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> she, she goes, it looks heavy. I'm like, yep, stodge is the word. <laughs> I wasn't particularly fond of either of them. I mean, I like potatoes, but potato casserole looked a bit... Oh, oh, it's good. But did she say kippers? I think he said kippers were on it. Possibly, I don't know. You, you can put all sorts in a potato casserole. It's a very versatile dish. That's kind of the point. Um, is you you got your base with your your potatoes and your your, your gravy sauce, yeah, and your your veg, and then throw in whatever you've got available. That's kind of the kind of the point of those uh, basic meals. Is they're very versatile for that. Mm. All right, I'll take your word for it. Maybe <laughs> maybe I'll try a potato casserole at some point. Um. So anyway, but I mean, so a bit on the nose, but I did, I did, I, did, I was surprised and I appreciated that she wasn't just never seen again after their wedding. So fair play, fair play. Yeah, I'd, and it was only a couple episodes, was it one episode, two episodes ago, that wedding? It was literally the last episode. It was the last day. episode. I couldn't remember yeah. if it was one or two ago. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's obviously, you know, they, they were very aware that 
people would probably have this critique of mm. we should see her again. In fact, when I clicked on the actress to see if she was in more episodes, she was literally just in Milan. So she's still going strong. Oh. I haven't seen that yet. I'll probably right, watch it but... when it hits Disney Plus and I think it hits at the start of November. Something like that. Yeah. It's not yeah. too long anyway. Uh no, I I, you know, I, I think uh this show giving O'Brien this much time is very commendable. We, we, you know, it was always kind of nice to see him start to recur earlier on, and it was like, oh, hey, it's nice to see a recognizable face. It was because he was very similar to, I'd say, the Bridge Crew and Discovery, and that he wasn't a main character, but you always saw his face, so it was kind of like, oh, I would we're love used to him. if we could get to this level of character with any of the Bridge Crew on Discovery, and I don't, and I don't think it's impossible because we, you know, the, you know, there's there's plenty of time. Even the trailer for season three at the end of that first episode had... It gave them lines in the trailer. So, I mean, maybe it's just because they're good trailer lines, but, you know, maybe we will get a little bit more of some of them. Because they were definitely better in season two than they were in season one. It's the sort of thing where they could just, like, oh, this is Detmer's episode, and just surprises out of nowhere. Like, you almost get Data's David for Detmer, and that would be kind of, like, a fun idea. Yeah, I mean, they could do that. I'm all for that. Uh, And this wasn't quite that. This was actually still a larger-scale Picard-level like situation it's just had, had a to, lot to yeah. deal with in this episode yeah he had a lot of great scenes um but it is it is fascinating that they not only wrote this episode for o'brien but they gave him essentially the final speech that convinced the you know the antagonist to step down like he mm. got that big scene well, and, what we would typically refer to as a picard speech yeah and i thought it was handled very well and there was that camaraderie where eventually maxwell sort of said i'm not going to win this one am i he's like no you're not and it just you know like it was a it was a good scene and it, it didn't feel like it was lucky. It felt like it was natural to, for it to be who it was, and I didn't find, maybe just because there were so many good Picard scenes in this episode anyway. But I didn't find myself lacking and going, "Oh, it's a shame that Picard couldn't do the speech this episode, that it had to be yeah. O'Brien." I think the only thing I would have liked, you know, in terms of just other characters having moments, is uh, Keiko interacting with maybe Riker, who we know does some cooking. Like, oh, if O'Brien's like, hey, you know, when, when the tumult at the start, you know, if O'Brien kind of off, hey, Riker does his own cooking too. You know, it's not that weird. And, and you know, maybe, uh, and maybe this can still happen, but her kind of bring it up with, with Riker in the future, be like, what, what, what? you cook? Why? Uh, you know, just have some, <laughs> something like that. She handled real meat? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which stuff actually, like that I'd appreciate. Well, one of the points that I, I don't know if it's a mistake per se, but she, she pointed out that what they were eating was healthy. And I was under the impression that in Star Trek times, the replicators, whatever you got, gave you whatever you needed health-wise. Like, you know, if even if you got like a cheeseburger at the replicator, it was still giving you all the stuff you need for a daily the, diet. There's a difference between nutrition and health. Um, the stuff, it will give you all of the nutritional values you need. So it might, okay, yo, oh, th- this isn't giving you enough protein, so it'll boost the protein levels artificially. Mm-hmm. But you can still eat too much, and it can still be unhealthy food by having you know, okay it, you know it might not cut down the the fat content that much for example you know it, it can still th- th- there's a difference between nutrition and health is all i'm saying well no i would assume it would cut down the fat cut i that was under the impression that it meant that no matter what you wanted if you wanted to get 10 ice cream sundays out of that replicator that would you'd be fine i, I imagine <laughs> there's a setting that says you can do that but I, I'm, a, I'm i'm sure there's a full fat option which you know O'Brien's using. <laughs> I'm just... I questioned that a little bit. That's all I'm saying. I'm sure we'll get... I mean, she's in a, lot, a few a good, decent number of episodes now. Uh, so I assume that we'll see her interact with other crew members. 
Um, I but no, I, no, I thought it was a great O'Brien episode. I thought the Cardassians' introduction here was surprisingly deft because it it gave them layers. It made them feel like they're not just this one note antagonist. It made me care about the conflict and it left me excited for more. So kind of a win-win all, all around on that front. Uh, there's, there's very yeah. little to actually critique. And I think it also did a smart thing, again, but to not make feel like O'Brien was just a bit of a prick on his own by making it clear that Worf also doesn't trust him. That even Riker has a comment at one point when, when Worf is arguing that there should be some security level for them. Riker sort of steps in to, and, and basically says to Picard, you know, I, I agree with Worf. There should be something done. It shouldn't just be yeah, it's it's very clear. No, this this was a war. You know, it wasn't yeah. easy. Uh, you know, the, 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 there is lingering animosity, and that's natural uh, on both sides, right? I, I think it's a really smart thing, though, because you start off with, you know, Worf, who is kind of the quickest to not trust everyone, because he always says that about any... So you don't think too yeah. much about it. And then you get O'Brien, it feels like he's been kind of harsh, but I think once Riker, not only when Riker kind of, like, agrees with Worf, but he agrees with them when he's trying to convince the captain of something so it feels like he really cares about it. like you know he definitely believes it's a, it's a it's a serious issue yeah and he he wants picard to be aware that he agrees with them so i i like that clearly through you know it's the rule of threes having all three of those characters have some form of opinion that kind of lines up about this group of people makes us realize just how widespread it is and and it's three very different characters as well which i think is important yeah it makes it feel like it is just the standard cultural opinion rather than you know, an outlier yeah. uh, from, from O'Brien, for example. So, simple little touch. Uh, but a very, very good episode. Uh, mm. Best of the season so far, I would agree with. So, uh, let us know what you thought of the episode. NC comments below. You can like and subscribe, all that stuff. Like is super important on YouTube and is the best way to show us that you like the content and you want it to keep coming. And to ensure it does keep coming, you wouldn't like it if we just stopped in season five, episode four, would you? No, no. But more importantly, what's coming next week? Hold on, I'm threatening them. I'm threatening them to hit the like button. Uh, the threat was there. It, it was implicit. I'm sure they, they took it on note. I'm not trying I, watched, to... I, I watched a video earlier yeah. where someone said, if you don't hit the like button, that person might become a nurse and not uh, you know, and then not treat someone. So you know, like there was a whole weird logic of threatening yes. your family members in hospitals by not hitting the like button. I can't remember the exact chain they got to. I mean, but I it was a whole I, thing. I thought I was being funny with the the threat to stop. I that's actually quite a dark threat to say I will become a like, it, healthcare giver and then let your family die. Is it was a dark. really like it was a really like you know lighthearted video, whatever it was, and then there was just this thread, you know, th- thread of getting to, you know, letting people die if you don't hit the like button. I was like, okay, that went places. I, I'll threat I'll threaten to stop reviewing things, but I. I'll let you all know right now, like or dislike, uh, I, I I promise not to murder any of your family. You can take that to the so bank. Well, I mean, it wasn't really murder, it was just letting them die. There's a difference. Murder by proxy. Yeah, manslaughter at best. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, yes, what is coming next time? Yes, yes, yes. As Connor was so quick to intervene. Yeah, I want to know. All right, well, next episode is called Devil's Due. And this is the description. While answering a distress call, Picard finds himself not sure of exactly who he's dealing with, but he's sure he's not dealing with the planet's version of the devil, as she claims to be. <laughs> oh, ho, 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 ho. This one sounds original series uh, levels of uh, nonsense. 
Yes, a surprisingly religious take for, for Trek. In, in, we haven't really done much of that in Next Gen. No, which actually makes it kind of unique, so I'm actually kind of curious to see. Even if it ends up not being that great, I'm I'm curious. Yeah, see what the take is on it. Yeah, there's potential here. I could do something with it. Uh, so we'll see. Um, but yeah, uh, so that's coming next time. Uh, you can, of course, support us, though, uh, with monies, if you can, over at patreon.com slash TV for as little as $1 per month. And that'll get you some bonuses. $5 tier, of course, gets you early access to these Trek reviews as well as some other stuff. So please go and have a look over there and see if you want to support us that way too. Otherwise, catch us on Twitter at mailed underscore fuzz for channel updates. But that is us. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching Star Trek somewhere out there. Somewhere out there. There's a Wesley Crusher. And he is in complete control of the ladies. Thank you.